Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to the Athletic Baseball Show for Friday night or Saturday morning, October 6th into the 7th. This is a late night record for us. We had some life mishaps today happen. Uh, Levi, thank you for sticking with me. I had two sick toddlers at home. You you know the beauty of that. Uh, but this is on deck. I'm Stephen Nesbitt, and I'm joined by Levi Weaver. Levi, how was your day? i just been sitting here all day recording by myself, waiting for you to show up. You should have heard some of the insightful things I had to say into my laptop computer all on my own. I got baseball thoughts. I'm all out now, though, so you're going to have to kind of carry the show at this point. You know, I'll do my I'll do my best. I've been thinking about ball. I just couldn't record about ball. The only like news we should get to here is kind of a strange sequence of events coming out of uh, out of Queens. Billy Epler, the GM, has resigned, and they didn't really say what it was at first, and then it, it was reported, I believe, first by the New York Post, and then kind of corroborated elsewhere that he is being investigated by Major League Baseball for happenings and the use of the injured list slash phantom injured list. Now, if people don't know what that is, it's almost like a running joke, really, what the phantom IL is. That you, you want a roster spot, you find a way to stash a guy on the injured list who wasn't truly actually injured. The assumption from writers is that this happens more than you might think. And sometimes it's all the time. It, it feels blatantly obvious. So for someone to get in actual trouble for it, Boy, I have a lot of questions because I, I figured this was something where if you if you popped one person for it, uh, we're going to be digging up dirt to, to take down the other 29 with you. Yeah, that was my question too. What did he do that was so egregious that he's the one that get, gets popped for this? Because I, I see this happen. I mean, I say I see it happen. I don't know. I'm not in the trainer's room. Maybe just there is this good fortune and coincidentally the 40th man on your, or the 26th man on your roster happens to tweak his, sorry, what'd you say? A hamstring? Yes. Left hamstring. Sorry. Right hamstring at exactly the right time when you need a roster spot. But it does seem like that is a thing that happens a lot. So I don't, I don't know. The thing that makes it so strange for me is that we knew we knew that the Mets were going to be hiring David Stearns. This was not a surprise to anybody. This was a long time coming. Epler had time to prepare, right? So then here comes the press conference. Epler is there. Stearns says good things about working with Epler. And then like three days later, it's, well, Epler's going to step aside. Just so we, we don't want to be a distraction to Stearns. We're going to let him do his thing and make all the decisions. That absolutely does not hold water, given the timing of it and given how long we knew. I mean, how many articles existed out there? They're like, oh, Mets and Stearns, eh? Mets and Stearns. And then the deadline came. And about seven seconds later, the Mets had hired Stearns. So we knew it was coming. If you're going to make that decision, like if you don't want to be there and don't want to be the guy working under Stearns, you make that call. Three months ago, six months ago, a year ago, you make that call, not three days after the press conference. So I think it has to do with the Phantom IL. I'm sure that we will learn more as details come out. But yeah, super weird. And leave it to the Mets, as I said in the windup today, leave it to the Mets to upstage the entire playoffs 
with some just filthy drama in the front office, of course, of course. When I first saw the news, it felt sort of uh, similar to the situation that happened in Boston a number of years back when Ben Sherrington stepped down after Dave Dombrowski was kind of hired over him um, as the president of baseball ops there. But you're right, Stearns, it was telegraphed. We knew this was coming, and it does seem like this has a lot, a lot more to do with whatever is being investigated. They wanted to it's been made clear that this is like, this is just a Billy Upper problem. If we just remove him from the Mets, it's no longer a Mets problem. And so he, what was his quote? Something like we wanted like a clean slate for, for Billy Upler. I guess whatever, whatever happened, it was obvious enough that it was a Billy Upler problem. Um, Steven, and Steven, how go. many general managers have they had in the last 10 years? It's always a Mets problem. It is never not a Mets problem. God bless them. The Mets are kind of a, more comedic equivalent to the angels in the American league that they're always going to do something to be entertaining. Uh, if you're one of their fans, it's not going to be that entertaining, but for everybody else, here comes the class clown again, doing something to get your attention. It's always the Mets. And I kind of, kind of thought when Steve Cohen bought the team, that was going to be the end of that, right? The new teacher comes to class and puts an end to it. And it's like, all right, everybody sit up straight. I will whack your hands with a ruler. If you put, you know, a you-know-what in the backup catcher's locker and it ends up on TV, that you're going to be in big trouble. We're no more of that. We're tired of Mr. Met flipping off the crowd. We're tired of all of these things that have happened. No more. People are not laughing at us anymore. Well, it's a Mets problem. We did not mean to go down that that road in this in this intro, but I, I will say we, we give our Didn't promise we? to the reader. We'll do everything we can to help to help uh, uncover what actually happened here because I am just praying that it's some horrible example, but we know exactly what the example that happened is. is it's like a, a conversation in the back hallway with Luis Guillorme uh, saying, hey, buddy, we are Anthony Kay saying, we'd love to keep you on the roster. Things have not gone well for you lately. Our option is to send you down to the AAA or DFA or maybe that ankle isn't feeling so great after that slide last week. Um but uh, yeah, we, we need the specifics in this one because something happened. Something weird happened. Something happened. And yeah. uh, I, I don't think it's Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. Will Salmon, Tim Britton, get on it. We need to know the details. Let's figure it out. All right, Levi, let's actually talk about the playoffs here. We're going to each pick our favorite DS series. That was redundant. Our favorite division series. And I'd love to hear what yours is. I am, of course, after, you know, basically being a Rangers homer all year long, I'm going to go with the Rangers and the Orioles. Uh, it, it actually is an interesting series to me. And, you know, tip of the cap to the to the Astros and the Twins, which I think will be a series of, of Twins pitching strength versus Astros hitting strength. The Rangers and the Orioles, man, this one is another one that has, you've got this, these two contrasts in styles, right? Both teams last went to the playoffs in 2016. Uh, they've both been through some misery since then. The Orioles opted to go the more traditional rebuild route. They were just awful. Lost triple-digit games as frequently and as horribly as possible. Got a lot of high draft picks and basically just rebuilt their team from the ground up. And so now you've got Gunnar Henderson. Now you've got Adley Rutschman. You've got all these young guys that have been brought up through the system. Um, Jackson Holiday is going to be there before long. He's not there yet. But... They did it a traditional way, right? There are not a lot of big name superstars on that team. I mean, Cedric Mullins, but he's also a homegrown guy. At the trade deadline, they went and got Jack Flaherty. I mean, it's Jack Flaherty is like a sensible pair of shoes that you get because you need them to walk to work because you're not going to spend money on gas, right? So 
that's how the Orioles have done it. And that young group of guys is so fun. Like they are the personality of the league. They've got this, you're spitting water and they're, you know, pouring bottles of water down the thing. That's not a beer bong. And I'm making definitely not a dong bong. Yeah. 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 Meanwhile, the Rangers went out and just spent a ton of money. They spent money on Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon. They spent money on Nathan Evaldi. They spent money on Jake DeGrom. So that was kind of the result of a failed group of their own young guys that didn't really pan out. The Joey Gallo, Nomar Mazzara, Rube Nedodor, and pick your favorite pitcher that never made it for the Rangers. And then, funnily enough, like the personalities are a contrast too. The Rangers are kind of on the field like boring baseball robots led by head robot Corey Seager. So you've got your two contrasts there. I think the big knock on the on the Orioles in the first part of the season was like they probably don't have the, the pitching rotation to do it. But I took a look at their stats from opening day through July 31st and then their stats from August 1st to October 1st. Kyle Gibson's actually been a little bit worse in the second half. Dean Kramer, his ERA went from 466 to 289. Kyle Bradish, his ERA, ERA went from 329 to 280. Oh nine. He's been a legit ace in the second half. Grayson Rodriguez, first half ERA six twenty one, second half ERA two forty one. And I'm I'm splitting halves here by the trade deadline, not the All Star break. But the point remains. Um, and then basically, you trade Tyler Wells, who had a three eighty ERA, for John Means, who has come in and had a two sixty six ERA. Jack Flaherty's not even one of their three or four best starters at this point. Cole Irvin has started a couple of games. He's been great. Those guys are all going to go into the bullpen now behind their top three or four starters. They've got a very good pitching staff, the Orioles do. Now, the Rangers, they would have a great pitching staff, but they have no Jake DeGrom. John Gray's out. Max Scherzer's out, we think, maybe until the ALCS, if the Rangers get that far. So Andrew Heaney's starting game one. He wasn't even in the rotation at the end of the year, and now he's starting game one of the ALDS. Jordan Montgomery was a real ace the back half of September, and Nathan Ivaldi seems to have put it together just in time for the playoffs. So they have some good pitching Huge advantage to the Orioles in the bullpen. And then I think advantage Rangers in the lineup. They scored more runs. They are a more fearsome lineup. They hit way more home runs than the Orioles. So there is your real quick preview of Rangers-Orioles. Uh, Orioles, they take it to the brink, but I think the Orioles win. Hey, there you go. I didn't know we're <clears throat> bringing the predictions to the house today. Uh, for me, that this is four very distinct tiers, this series. Diamondbacks, Dodgers, I don't anticipate being... Super interesting, but it could be given the state of the Dodgers rotation. Uh, Houston Twins would be my third favorite, and then your series I have is the number two, like very clearly as a close number two to the to my top one, which I'm going to get into now. Phillies and the Braves. This is running back what we had last year in the CS, and uh, the Phillies, of course, won that one. But man, this is going to be so fun. The Braves have been kind of run away with the best team in baseball status, I guess the label this season. They are a team that does it all and does it all extremely well and are going up against a team in Philadelphia that has its flaws, but what it does, it does extremely well. It can keep up in the bat perspective. It can keep up. And if you just get a couple starting pitchers to keep rolling and rolling and get that bullpen rolling, I think they can keep up here. I think if they can push this to five games, boy, that would it would just be nuts. I have a, a neighbor here who is going to be in Atlanta for work and he just bought like a pack of six tickets down at Truist Park for game one uh, with five of his colleagues. And I was like, dude, that atmosphere is going to be 
unreal. And then in Philadelphia too, it's going to be so good. So if you need any any sort of uh, reason to tune into this one, here are the pitching matchups we have so far. It's going to be Ranger Suarez in game one going up against uh, Spencer Strider, Zach Wheeler in game two against Max Freed, and Aaron Nola. I believe that's still a TBD on the other side of that one, uh, but it's I would I would guess it has to be Bryce Elder. So that's the one one game it definitely turns in the Phillies direction if they can take one of game one or game two game going to game three Aaron Nola against Bryce Elder you got to be feeling really good about that so a couple things I want to touch on here Trey Turner had an unbelievable wild card series four for seven two doubles a walk two strikeouts they got production from Real Muto Bryson Stott with a huge grand slam we've talked about him a lot lately Alec Bohm Nick Castellanos and then their bullpen <clears throat> is just showing itself to be pretty pretty formidable. We've talked about both of these teams, or maybe it was on the Keith Law Show, having very veteran bullpens, which I think pays off this time of year. Uh, I really enjoyed this uh, this tweet I saw from Phillies fan and blogger Matt Winkleman, who was pointing out the average fastball velocity since the start of September for all of the Phillies postseason relievers. And it went Soto 98.9, uh, Alvarado 98.2, Kirkering, Orion Kirkering, look him up, man. He's awesome. 97.8. Uh, Dominguez 97.4, Hoffman 97.1, Kimbrell 95.7, and Strom 93.5, the crafty lefty. And uh, the on the, the comp on the other side of that was the Braves. They top out at uh, AJ Minter at 96.1. So the reason he was saying this is, is Atlanta has the second highest slugging percentage off fastballs above 97 and also it's first against below 97 but look at their slugging percentage how it drops if you get to that 97 it goes from 550 which is a a, a bonkers team slugging percentage uh, anything below 97 to 403 you drop 150 points off that slugging if you can get over 97 miles an hour that is big that is substantial and you need to find ways to punch back in little ways against this this Braves team and that's one way to do it the Braves are unbelievably good. Fangraphs, I don't know if you check out the roster resource ever, but they have a overall power rankings for the season. And the way they wrote it is it's based on year-to-date production using several weighted categories. And uh, the way this one stacks up, it goes Acuna, number one overall. Olsen, number two overall. I'm guessing homers are one of those weighted categories. Albies, 12 overall. Riley, 14. And Ozuna, 22nd. The Braves have their five guys in the top 25. And... Uh, yeah, they're a good ball club. This is going to be an unbelievable series. All right, Levi, you know what time it is. It is time for us to step into the on-deck arcade. The homer chase in the regular season is over. The arms race for the regular season is over, but we have restarted, reinvented the homer chase for the postseason. And the, the way we went about this, pick two hitters per round, and uh, we count up their homers. That's it. Then they can't be from the same team. And once we pick a hitter, new rule, once either of us picks a hitter, that guy's off the board the rest of the rest of the time. So it's gone. So who's off the board and who hit homers? Only one homer this round. You picked Adolis Garcia and Randy Rosarena. Adolis hit you a homer. Jake Berger and Corey Seager were my picks. And actually, all four of these guys had tremendous wildcard series, uh, but only one homer. So they are off the board. Strike them from it. If if and when we want to go back to the Rangers, we are uh, we have limited ourselves a little bit taking those two guys off the board. But Levi, you are up one nothing. So I'm going to take first stab here. Oh, dang it. I would like to take, although the Andrew, Andrew Heaney pick is maybe making me question this. I'm going to go with Gunnar Henderson either way. Oh, okay. All right. Good for you. You take Gunnar Henderson because I really thought you were going to take Matt Olson, and that is who I am taking with my first pick. He hit 50-plus home runs this year. I wrote down Gunnar Henderson before I thought of that rule to strike them from it, and I really should have been more 
more thoughtful about this because now we now there's the the inside game of like I need to block you from somebody. So obviously I'm gonna block you now. Ronald Acuna off the board. Dang it! All right. And we're using up these guys who very well could make the World Series. So that's where this is gonna get tricky. I know, I know. Okay, so now I'm down to two, and I think the Twins have better pitching than the Braves right now. So I am going to take Kyle Schwarber with my second pick. Ooh, dude, that is it. That's a heck of a twosome you just you just pulled right there. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, hey, that's uh, that's gonna line up pretty well. I like I like the way this this shakes out. Gunnar Henderson, Ronald Acuna against Matt Olson and Kyle Schwarber. Those guys now locked in to our respective teams. So. It's time for us to go enjoy the division series. We'll be back, I believe, around game three on Tuesday, I think, is when this next one's going to go up for us. Time for us to hit the exits. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Brian for producing today's show. You can find our work all week long at theathletic.com. Subscribe to The Athletic for $2 per month for the first year at theathletic.com slash baseball show. Sign up for The Wind Up, The Athletic's daily baseball newsletter with Levi and Ken Rosenthal for absolutely free, even now in the postseason. Going every day. Give us a follow on Twitter. Levi is at 32EFIS. I'm at Stephen J. Nesbitt. We'll be back in a few days with more of What's on Deck. Bye. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. And I'm at Stephen J. Nesbitt.